0: Testing one, two, three on my mic. Testing one, two, three on my mic.
1: Testing one, two, three on my mic.
0: I'm Todd Meisner. I'm Paul Coletti.
1: And I'm Meg McLaughlin.
2: And we're talking pictures. Now, if you're a regular listener of Talking Pictures, uh, we've been kind of lighthearted lately, uh, talking about Bill Murray and and John Deere Classic and whatnot. And today's podcast is going to take a bit of a dark turn.
0: Let's get heavy. Let's get heavy. Uh, Yeah.
2: He's not heavy he's my brother is that how that yeah. goes? <laughs> um, our uh, Meg is here and Meg is our photo intern and Meg's uh, experience in the business is limited to about a year and um, on Though Sunday you, you might not be
0: able to tell that from the images she brings back. Ooh, thanks. Yeah,
2: no, that's very true. Mm-hmm. Meg is—I've um, said this on the—I'm I'm on record. You yeah. know, this podcast has put me on record that I—I I've, I've, say nice things about her on a regular basis. Yeah. She's come about as far and about as fast as anybody I've ever had to, um, the pleasure to work with. Yep. But Meg's first experience with—I would say—chaotic and yep. dark news mm-hmm. uh, came this Sunday with a drowning. And Meg, why don't you uh, set the scene for us?
1: Okay, so I come back from a minor league baseball game, and I'm editing through some photos, trying to figure out what the best take was, doing just a regular workflow when someone had come back from the copy desk to tell me that someone had told her. She didn't hear it over the scanner yet, but she had been told by someone that there was search boats out on the river. Literally, maybe a few seconds later, you hear the call that there was rescue boats out on the river. So me and another reporter, Laura anderson shot. we went out to... Um, Schwimmer park in rock island where we saw plenty of police cars plenty of people like maybe a hundred spectators just lining up the wow. whole there's a big balcony and then it goes down the stairways to the docks into the mississippi river and there's just tons of people just looking out into the water and we quickly learned that this is still a search and rescue mission that it's only been a few minutes since they had gotten there and At this point, we we were just trying to figure out what was going on. There was quite a number of emotional family members, lots of people crying.
2: And what proximity were you to the emotional people?
1: Oh, from maybe 10 feet away, max. Mm.
2: And how were they reacting to your presence?
1: They didn't react to my presence, and that was really interesting. And I can tell you it was the first time that I'd ever been around someone that was grieving so tangibly almost, where you could feel this woman's heartache, and she's screaming and pounding on the ground and saying she doesn't know what she's going to do now, he cannot be dead, and this was her fiancé. They were to be married that next week or next month, somewhere in between, very, very near future, they were going to be married. Um, His best friend started to arrive and was also talking about the wedding. Most people were just screaming and crying because they were going to be getting married very, very soon. And I had no idea. Do I take the picture? Do I find a different vantage point because I'm right next to her? There's no way I can muffle this shutter. There's nothing I can do. She's going to know I'm taking a picture of her. And at this point, I don't know because I am heartbroken for her how to explain to her why it's vital that I took this picture.
2: So you now you got a lot of really good emotional pictures from this. How did you then um, mitigate the circumstances? And did you back up? Did you use a different lens? What did you do?
1: Well, that's interesting. So my camera has been acting up lately, um, as they occasionally do. And there was, I have a longer zoom lens, a 70 to 200, and I was trying to get it to, so I could be from a longer distance away and be able to get a picture of her with maybe more privacy, being able to give her more peace. But it ended up being that the lens was not talking to my camera at all. And anything I shot was black and the sun was going down. It's about 8.30, 8.45 at this point. And the only thing I could think of is that there must be too much weight on my camera. So I went and grabbed the longest, prime lens so there's no zoom it's a lot lighter than the other one and it worked fine but it meant that I had to zoom with my feet and I had to get closer to her and it was it was breaking comfort zones and it was god it was so hard because I was so sad for her but what made it I rationalized it by thinking about whether or not her pain is important to talk about and I think it would be I think that it's important that we know that this is not something you should do. You should not jump in the river because of these certain consequences.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, I, like Todd mentioned, was, uh, I was looking at the photos you brought back and you had lots of really good emotional moments. Um, At what point, this is kind of a technical question about Mm -hmm. a a heavy issue. At what point did you switch from your long glass to your prime lens? Um, Because looking at your photos, I couldn't tell, I couldn't tell what was shot early on while your camera might have still been working and what was shot, you know, with your prime lens.
1: I switched to the prime lens when the sun was completely gone. And no matter, I had no, there was no way I was going to get any light then. If it was already showing everything black, there Mm -hmm. was no way I was going to fix it. So I switched to the prime lens, which is a faster lens. I can get more light. It can... Was it an 85 or a 50? It's an 85. 85. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I was able to... Grab that um, as soon as the sun went down. That's when I grabbed it, and that was also conveniently, or horribly, right when they had found the body.
2: Mm. And so, you had mentioned, and I, I said this to Paul that that, you know, thrusting somebody who's not covered, uh, death, and and darkness like this before it's a shock to your personal senses because you don't, it's not normal to point a camera at someone who's grieving. Mm -hmm. You either can do it or you can't do it. Mm -hmm. In my opinion, Mm -hmm. Um, you can learn, you know, if you have that basic chutzpah to to use a Yiddish term Mm -hmm. uh, to be able to do it, then uh, you can get better at it and more comfortable with it. But, There's some people who are just not comfortable with it. Um, And I don't know. Do you think people can become comfortable with it or do you just never get comfortable with it? I mean, I I don't know.
0: I don't have enough experience shooting tragic events, tragic breaking news, situations like that, to have have the opportunity to become comfortable with it. I know I'm still not. uh, Am I not comfortable with it? I'm still not. Completely, entirely comfortable with it. Although I've become better at doing it surreptitiously, which I think protects me at the scene, um, and it, like Meg, you were saying, gives them some more privacy um, and a little bit more of a personal moment with their loved ones instead of having a stranger with a camera in their face standing there.
2: Now, I, I think that if you get too comfortable with it, it can be dangerous. I, I think sure? that if someone becomes so dead inside that mm-hmm. they don't care about offending someone, then you're probably slipped over to another yeah. another realm as mm-hmm. opposed to being someone who's completely uncomfortable that can't do it. If you're so comfortable with it that you, you do it without any kind of forethought, then that's bad too. Yeah. Um, and and I, I still get that just talking about it. I get the pit in the, you know, the feeling in the pit of my Mm -hmm. stomach and try to remember the first time I pointed a a camera at a grieving person and, and God, you know, I don't know. There've been a lot of them and I don't, can't remember what the first one was, but it, um, but it's uncomfortable and it probably Mm -hmm. should be uncomfortable if you're a human being with any kind of empathy. If you, if you have empathy, if you Mm -hmm. don't have empathy, then, you know, You know, that's not a good thing.
0: I know from being on scenes previously, and Meg, I want to get your take on this too, um, that the longer, you know, say I show up to a a tragic drowning and uh, I'm taking pictures and at first you don't know where the boundaries are and your limits. And you start taking photos and you've got some stuff, but the longer you're there, you're a part of the scene, uh, you know the family or friends and the officials, police, you know, firemen, everybody's seen you. Um, you've got your credential around your neck. You're not just some rubbernecker, uh, you know, there for the for the gore or something. I mean, you're a working media professional. Um, and you start to get more comfortable with the situation. Meg, was there a point at which you were on the riverfront where you show up and, you know, it's a really kind of delicate situation. You're walking on eggshells at first. But then you, you kind of turn the corner and you realized, you know, I'm, I'm here. I'm comfortable. Everybody knows I'm here. They've seen me. You know, I can... I can get a little closer. I can kind of test the limits. How far can I go? How close can I get? I mean, did you get comfortable at a point and just kind of No. Move it? I didn't no. get.
1: Honestly, I didn't get comfortable because this was a unique situation where there were people allowed to view the river since it's such a, it's not like you can close down the street. Anybody mm-hmm. can be looking out at the off there because there's that bank right. that you can look over. So there were so many spectators that also kind of didn't really understand what was going on and making jokes and laughing. And there was so, Mm -hmm. the tension was just, you could cut it with a knife, like you could feel it. And so no matter how long I was there and there was more family coming and coming and coming till there was maybe 10 or 15 family members and friends Mm -hmm. that actually showed up there. And it was such high emotions that there was a huge fight that brought out between two family members of the victim, Mm. and they had to be pulled apart and carried to different sides of the park because it was so rough. So throughout the entire situation, it was almost like hope started to disappear, so everyone became more and more uncomfortable. When it became less of a search and rescue and more of a just recovery mission, Mm -hmm. when hope started disappearing, nothing was happy. Nothing was even remotely calming or peaceful whatsoever.
2: Did you ever fear for your safety?
1: No. No. Not at all.
2: Did I, I mean, I, I, there have been times where p- people have physically threatened me yeah. and I'm glad that no one physically threatened you. That would have made it even worse. But, mm. um, but yeah, yeah I, 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 sometimes people in these kinds of grieving situations, uh, because they don't know what to do with their emotions and they're experiencing emotion that they've never experienced before, their only option or their first option is, I should say their first option is to lash out and they're f- they and we can be that person that they mm-hmm. lash out at. And yep. so then you kind of got to get, you know, know in advance that people are m- may yell at you and you just kind of respectfully go, you know, apologize, I'm sorry that, you know, I'm mm-hmm. you know, I'm sorry that you're offended or you're upset. I didn't mean to upset you or don't even yep. say anything and just put your hands up and, and that was back, my biggest and back fear. up. Yeah. Um
0: that you yeah. were going to be called just, out by a family member? I
1: didn't so, want anyone to call me out. That was my biggest fear. Every single news station and newspaper in the area was there. And so, and you have the TV guys and the reporters. They're all kind of, it's kind of like clicks, like the high school clicks. They're all in different corners of the area right next to the dock. And, They all were, who's going to go up and talk to him first? It's all about timing, which I know we've talked about quite a bit on the podcast. It's who's going to talk to him first because she is so emotional. Mm -hmm. The fiance, the one person that you want to talk to because she was the only one that was actually there at the time. So you want to know what's going on because no one wants to be there for three hours. And that's how long it took for them to find the body. Mm -hmm. So it was basically just who wants to talk to her and then... I know she had to have heard it i mean we were 10 feet away like there's no way that this woman had no idea that we were talking about it or awkwardly looking over at her when she would start screaming a little bit more she had to know that we were right there Mm -hmm. or that and she had to have known that i was pointing my camera at her and i just didn't want to be one more camera and i didn't want to be the one that got yelled at because i felt so sad for her that all i wanted to do was to be helpful and i couldn't imagine being harmful I didn't want her to think that at least and that was my biggest fear was being lashed out at
0: I've oftentimes tried to put myself in the victim's um shoes when I'm at a scene I'm thinking to myself when I'm at a house fire if my house was burning down and I was on this as I was on the sidewalk and a, a photographer came up to me and said excuse me you know, and ask me questions or my name, you know, how would I want to be approached in that situation? And that's how I tend to approach people when I have to. Um but that said, I also ha having a game plan for approaching someone is different than bracing yourself for being, you know, the the target of kind of the media frustration, the attention, the frustration of media attention on you. So uh, I don't know how I, I've never, well, actually, I was, I was the, the, the target of, of one of those lash out. Lash you, outs once, but w- when you were like the this. target, uh-huh. were you,
2: were you the only one there or were you among many? Because I find that the lash outs mm-hmm. occur more when you 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 are, I'm six, four and I have red hair. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm a tall guy mm-hmm. and I'm, I don't blend in very well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, try to blend in but i don't you know most i don't i just it's hard yeah. to blend in mm-hmm. and so you try um but if you're the only one then you really aren't blending in but i was if the only one yeah see yeah. and i think that that tends to be and i you know it's weird there's a strange dynamic with television that people watch television and it's tv is very fleeting mm-hmm. um it's on at 10 o'clock pfft, it's on it's gone yeah but the newspaper sits in front of people on the on the coffee table or or yeah. on the web and it sits there and sits there and sits there yeah. and i think that people find newspaper photographers more intrusive yeah. than than tv photographers mm-hmm. and i i think that's buried deep in their head somewhere i don't think they consciously think that and I think it's also because of all of the media attention that people give, uh, celebrity photographers or paparazzi yeah. who are vultures. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're a paparazzi and listening to talking pictures, feel free to send me an email at teamweisner at QC <laughs> Um, but you know, those guys are making a living, but th- mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of gross. I yeah. mean, for me, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't think I could do it. I mean, not that, not me. Um, mm-hmm. and I, and you know, maybe my Midwestern sensibilities are violated by that kind of of uh, attack with a camera mm-hmm. for the sake of of money because there's no real probative value or news value in in Alec Baldwin going for coffee.
0: Yeah, leaving mm-hmm. the grocery store. No. You know, yeah. and,
2: and so walking up to him and asking him, you know, leading questions about, you know, when was the last time you beat your wife? Right. You know, I mean, I... Yeah. I <laughs> uh tuesday yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um that it's 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 you know so anyway i th- but i think that people see that and they absorb it mm-hmm. and so our cameras and our presence i mean i've been called paparazzi by people both mm-hmm. because they really thought that that was the right term um yeah. and by people who are joking yeah. and when people are joking I'm not, I suffer from the correction gene It runs deep in my family and I try not to let it come out very often mm-hmm. in public like that. But if someone does that to me, I always stop and correct them mm-hmm. that that is yeah. like calling a cat, a dog mm-hmm. a, or a, or a dog, a cat. Yeah. These are two different animals, man. Yep. And so, um, you know, I, if, Anyway, so, but I'm glad that nobody, that you never felt physically threatened. And I think that a lot of that has to do with the fact that if there are lots of police mm-hmm. and there's yeah. lots of photographers, it diffuses the anger.
0: Yep. And so yep.
2: when you're in a really tense situation like that, as much as you might want to get the the exclusive picture, it kind of reduces the tension and you're not, I mean, Meg is, is tall and blonde, mm-hmm. you know, yep. she doesn't, she doesn't, has a hard time, you know, blending right. in two. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, anyway, I mean, it...
1: What yeah. was also hard about that was, the you didn't know who exactly was family, because there wasn't ever yellow line, because the docks are past this bank. You have to go past and then down a staircase, but there's a big fence that's got, that was locked. So you couldn't get down there, so... Everything else was on, like, you. they were in the same distance as we are. So right. I didn't know if this person was a family member or a friend or a spectator because it just all started to blend in. Mm-hmm. And I could hear the reporters starting to talk from both newspaper and TV. They were talking about things that were kind of graphic, about other cases they've covered similar to this or things that they know like oh that must be oh yeah do you see that that they're definitely grabbing the body right there that's absolutely the body and I saw that the woman's mother is right next to him and she starts to cry and kinda walks away and that was also I didn't want to be the one that did that either on my cuz it I have no idea it's my first time ever covering this and I just keep hearing Todd Meisner's voice saying that he's never not pulled the punch. Right. And I want to pull the punch. I want I to make sure because I always thought that I could do this kind of stuff. I could take the picture because I do believe it's important. But, oh, I just didn't want to be the one that had my foot in my mouth. I didn't want to be the one that was like, oh, that's definitely mm-hmm. that's definitely this person's insert limb here being taken out of the water.
2: Yeah, yeah it, You what you can't hear on the podcast is Paul and I both cringing yeah, up our they, faces they at our faces. the word that. Uh, yeah. Media people were talking uh, in this fashion close to uh, family members because yeah. I
0: it's um, I know we've mentioned it before that it's it's a coping yeah, mechanism because yeah. members of the media cover this stuff not regularly but not in, infrequently um, but there's there's also <laughs> there's also a lot of tactless members of the media who mm. who should know better than to act the way they do despite needing to cope oh yeah yeah
2: Yeah, i mean it's it's you know and i can't say that i've never uh i mean i yes dark humor does bubble up to the surface when you're covering something like this but it you can't you can't do it next to the family Mm -hmm. that's just you know i don't know i it just it's just it's just bad form. It you, doesn't you might
0: do be us working. any. You might be a working professional, but you're not acting professionally if that happens.
2: That's exactly right. Yeah. Very well put. It
1: was so hard to tell too, though. In their slight defense, it was just so hard to tell. But I was lucky mm-hmm. that Laura Anderson Shaw and I are. We have a we make a good team, I think, and we were able to talk via text, or we would walk up to we would go somewhere else to talk. But we made sure that we were not going to be the ones that were talking next to the family, and yeah, that would that would just be awful.
2: It sounds right. like you know, and I and I was gratified um, that you had mentioned that the that the podcast that we did about um, the dark side, which was what podcast two, three, uh, four. three the, or four, four, it's oh, four. Okay, um, Meg is our archivist. <laughs> yes. um, that that the we one of my goals in this doing this podcast was if young photographers should happen along and find us that. They could get some information from us who are, we've got, you know, a fair number of years under our belt, mm-hmm. um, and that some of our expertise and experience could, uh, trickle down to them so that when you're standing along the river and you're at your first drowning that you can hear my voice say, you gotta take the picture mm-hmm. and let someone else sort out. Mm-hmm. You know, if we don't run it, we don't run it. No. But you can't self—you can't edit at the scene and and think you're doing your job. Right. It, yep. it it's so horribly cold to say that, but it's mm-hmm. just true. Yeah, it's in this not business, even, it's yeah. just
0: true. It Was probably was it three or four years ago, Todd? That one of our other summer interns also covered a drowning on the Mississippi River over the July Fourth weekend. Brooks Kennedy
1: and Laura was the reporter. And Laura was the this reporter. Is her second one. Yep,
0: and. Um, it was a little different situation than the one that happened down at the Schwebert riverfront park here. Um, the, the drowning that Brooks and Laura covered, um, was in rock Island, but in a different part of the river. And again, you couldn't really close off the entire riverfront and Brooks ended up getting a photo of, it was a young boy who drowned. Mm -hmm. Um, he got a photo of the body being pulled out of the water and put into the boat. And of course we didn't run the photo, but Brooks had the picture. Um, from a, you know, a res- like, from a respectful from a, from a respect- distance, yes, right. you, yeah, absolutely, from a respectful distance. But um, yeah, so to even use the the specific example of drownings on a river as as an example of uh, you you might find yourself in a situation one day where you're covering a, a difficult situation where you have to take the photo. Uh, to think that we've had two interns cover drownings on the Mississippi River uh, over summer months um, just goes to show you that. Uh, any photographer entering the profession could find easily find themselves in any kind of tragic, awkward situation where they're covering breaking news and have to abide by, you know, rules and, you know,
1: there was that was the second drowning of the day too. There had been a body found in Clinton. That's so right. There That's were right. Two yeah. bodies that had been found in the river. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think the hardest part of it, though, that I would want to continue to work on or ask questions to you guys is. I keep thinking about the moment when she was alone, the fiance, and I keep, I have not, I have not let it go yet. She's by herself and I can never decide if I did the right thing by not coming up to her and leaving her alone or is it my, should I have come up to her because she was by herself and I was on my way out? Do I say I'm sorry? Do I, or do I leave her alone? And I think that's a judgment call, but I yeah. just never know how you can get very good at knowing that kind you know, of thing. You know, I
0: think it's a, it's a, each situation you have to judge it, you know, in the moment, based on each situation. Agreed. And that you know there's you can't say, you know, under every circumstance, oh yeah, you should always first opportunity approach the 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 next of kin and, you know, get your quote or I give think, them their space. Yeah, it's.
2: Yeah, I think empathy goes a really long way. Mm-hmm. Um and I think people can tell if you're bullshitting them or not. And mm-hmm. if you're an actual a person who who has empathy for suffering people, um, then you're, you not faking it. And you if you come up to somebody and I've said many a time before, uh, you know, having maybe taken their picture from a distance and then worked my way towards them with cameras at my side, mm-hmm. um, walk up to them and put my hand on their shoulder and say, I'm really sorry about your house. You know, I, I, I just, Oh, it's just, it's horrible. I said, is everybody okay? Mm -hmm. And, oh yeah. And all my family got out. Okay. I was like, well, did you, you know, do you live here? Yeah, I live here. And like, were you home at the time? Oh yeah, I was home at the time. And then that, that, you know, that moment of empathy turns into a fact finding mission. And it's, I don't think it's subversive to do it that way, but there's parts of the job that you can't, You know, you Mm -hmm. need certain facts to report the story accurately, and the best way to get them is to get them from the person whose house is burning down. And some people want to talk, and some people want to just say F you and walk away. And you know what? You have to respect the F you people because that's the way they feel. Um, But I think that the people who understand you're going about your job in an honest, thoughtful manner will usually talk to you. Your situation in the river, when you add hysterical family members and yeah. and looky lose to the situation, yeah, right. it gets. I th- that's the reason why I wanted to talk about this particular episode mm-hmm. on in this podcast because it's a highly charged emotional uh, yeah. uh, event to get to to you know break into the into the business. I mean, you, with each with each passing assignment, like today, nobody got. I mean, you you shot you know a guy learning how to drive a truck today you know, there's no fear in that, you know, Mm -hmm. there, you know, that was, I got to learn, you know, maybe try this angle next time or whatever. And that experience is going to help you. But there's that, that first time of having to deal with that much tension, it's, it's a prove to me situation. And you prove to me that Mm -hmm. you can do it Mm -hmm. and that you've got the metal to be able to do this job. And not everybody's got the metal to do this job. Everybody, you know, the excuse that, well, you know, I had to stand back here and whatever. And, you know, and maybe you did have to stand back there, but you still found a way given all of the tension and all of the heartache to come back with thoughtful, emotional, and respectful pictures that told the scene. And you should be commended for that. Not just because you did a good job for this newspaper, but You did our profession proud, and you also um, transcended your experience, your level of experience. Um, Meg's got a bunch of degrees, but she's a theater major. Yes, I am. Okay. And so the emotion that that she's used to dealing with is theatrical. Did Mm -hmm. any of that, your theater training, help you deal with these people or is that just because it's too real it didn't have any effect
1: i'm really happy you brought this up because i would have forgotten because i was a big part of it i have done other car accidents i've been a part of different scenes that obviously i mean hope was never there they weren't either they were fatal or they weren't um but while i was there it was so much easier to cover than i ever thought would be even possible for me to be so comfortable not I mean I was never completely comfortable it's an awful tragic heartbreaking situation but I wasn't as nervous and a train wreck like I thought I would be at first because when I had my camera to my face it felt like I had a shield like I was watching a play like this was like a prom scene like the operation prom and with that mindset after thinking about this being fiction it's easier to see it it's easier to take a picture and not think about anything not think about the heartbreak at that point because you're just watching a play you're just watching someone tell a different story and so that came into huge, huge parts of any other type of hard situations that I've covered, except for this one, because it was too real. You just you, No one is that good of an actor to be falling and slamming onto cement because their heart is broken. But yeah, theater absolutely has helped. It's completely helped with the storytelling
0: awesome yeah it's a that's a background and a perspective i've never brought to photography
2: all right well meg congratulations you did a great job thank you you did us proud Mm uh you did our profession proud and um i appreciate you coming on and telling your story
1: my pleasure
2: i'm glad i was invited i'm todd meisner i'm paul coletti
1: and i'm meg mclaughlin and
2: we'll see you next week folks Talking Pictures Podcast is a production of The Dispatch, The Rock Island Argus, and QCOnline.com. To see some of the photos and videos discussed in our podcast, be sure to go to talkingpicturespodcast.blogspot.com. The music was provided by Kevin McLeod at incomputech.com. Thanks to Paul Coletti, Todd Welvert, Laura Anderson-Shaw, Meg McLaughlin, Laura Frames, and Randy Fisk. A sound effect for today's podcast was provided by Audio Productions via YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to Talking Pictures on iTunes and SoundCloud.